Welcome to the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast with Roz Gervais and Laura Day, where we chat about our creative lives as artists while keeping it real and a little bit messy. We're here to inspire creatives just like you to push past those boundaries and make art that you love. Let's dive in. everybody and welcome to another episode of the Paint, Rest, Repeat podcast. We are super excited because we have the amazing Ange Miller with us today. Hello, Ange. Hi. (laughs) Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you, Ros and Laura. That's okay. We're super excited. I'm going to give you the world's shortest intro and then I'm going to let you take over. How does that sound? Yeah, great. Yep. And creates beautiful, flowing, soothing art. And she's also a teacher. So she has the membership, she has courses, and she has a podcast as well. And I'm pretty sure you're like a creativity guru and just love bringing it out of other people. Is that right? Yeah, fingers in all of the pies, probably overextending myself most of the time (laughs) because I, yeah, I just don't really have that idea of limitations. Isn't that all creatives? Like we just try everything and like just see what works. <laughs> yep, yep. And and don't really have any idea of time constraints or... Or reality, you know, there's that. Until you actually get there and you go, oh, oh, we're going to have to have baked beans on toast for dinner because I just painted <laughs> all day. And did you want to give us a little bit of a background on like your history and like how you got into art and like I know you're a university painting and drawing teacher, but even before that, do you want to just rewind and maybe just tell us about your journey with art? Oh, I'd love to. Yes. So I've always felt that creativity was a very intimate part of me. And even as a child, just making things, anything. I remember people asking me, what do you like to do? And I'd just say, making things. That was a a big part of, of my life. And I remember that being beautiful escapism. I had a fairly dysfunctional home and that was a real sacred place for me just to go internally and connect. I didn't know I was doing that then, but it just felt good, you know. But in lots of ways now, I can see that back then it helped me to see myself. It was an anchor for my soul. And yeah, this just blew up into a a huge passion for enabling the same for other people, especially, well, I haven't really got to kids yet, but it's on my heart to provide some kind of material for educators and parents on how to foster this in children. But yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I did art all through high school and just remember struggling. Like even though I felt it so deep in my heart, there was this struggle with what was expected or what was required and me not making the mark. And that was a real energetic challenge, I guess for how to grow in that thing. Because having that standard imposed upon me, even though I was very good at what I did and I would often get, you know, second place in the whole year. Yeah. I just felt this constant oppressive weight of like, you haven't done it right. Or if I did something really successful, that was a fluke and you won't be able to do that again. Yeah. After high school, I had the chance to study either music or art, visual art. So I was accepted into both those degrees. And I went with art because I just felt, even though neither of them really made sense career-wise, 
I just kind of felt this pull, this longing. And I think that's, that's the way that I've made most of my decisions in a way that's not very logical. It's just, this is, I just must, you know, this is just what's calling me. This is where I feel alive. So I did my BA in visual arts at a little university kind of on the central coast called Avondale. And still this same oppression, like even though it was a relief to be studying just this and not have to worry about maths and geography and all that anymore, I could just really immerse into what I loved. Still this this expectation and I guess it's performance anxiety would just kind of take up too much space in my experience. So I, I did quite well. I didn't hand in many of the essays and there was a mini thesis right at the end that I also didn't hand in because I was just really insecure about essay writing and I never, I just didn't really have good instruction from the start. It's funny that I love writing now. So I graduated with a distinction instead of a high distinction because I didn't hand in the mini thesis. But so I did really well. But after that, I just plummeted. I just felt like there's no place for me. I was really lacking confidence. I actually went into a real dark place of addiction and unemployment for a few years. And it wasn't until one of my lecturers from the university that, because it was so small, we kept in contact and we were really good mates. He said, Ange, why don't you come back and help me in my class? I've got so many people and we're doing still life. And, you know, it's a struggle for him to get around to 20 people in a class and help them render whatever it is realistically. And I was good at that. So I came in and I would, you know, be that assistant in the class and they started paying me to do that. And then it wasn't long before he said, Hey, do you have a class up your sleeve? Do you want to teach something? And yeah, like within the year, I was taking the class and coming up with my own material to teach and just really felt like I was in my element. I still lacked some confidence, but I just had to, I just had to figure that out when you're demonstrating for an hour and a half in front of a group of 20, like you just have to figure it out. (laughs) And it was really good money, you know, like, Great money for someone who didn't have employment previously. Yeah, I don't think they'd be able to do that these days. I just kind of waltzed in. And I'm getting goosebumps as you tell that story because you're sort of being pulled from, you know, the depths by someone who was essentially acting like your guardian angel and your believer, scooping you up and saying, you can do this. I believe in you. You're given that, not permission, but that, I don't know, encouragement, I suppose, and that safe environment to play. That's just amazing. And I totally have goosebumps over here. Like, I'm so glad that that happened to you, you know, and you had that person. Are you still in touch with him? Oh, absolutely. He's like a a relation. It wasn't the first time he did that either. As a student, I remember being really stuck. I was in my third year and I just felt so stuck. I'd been to the school counsellor and, you know, done everything that I could think of to do. And he just said, why don't you just come back after my next class and we'll just do some painting together. So I came back in and he'd set up two easels and we just drew each other and we did three drawings in total. First one was really fast and, and gestural. And then the second one, we, we slowed down a bit and then we, we didn't like the slow one. So we went back to the fast one at the end 
And it was so precious that time because we were, you know, it was quite an intimate thing to be doing, like drawing each other. And you can only do that with someone that you felt really safe and comfortable with. And so that in itself testifies to the type of person. His name is Andy Collis (laughs) and he's just such a beautiful, gracious soul. And he was very good with his teaching and he could, you know, do realistic landscapes and portraiture and, you know, just so brilliant to watch his demonstrating. Is he, I'm just writing down his name. So if we can give him a shout out, do you know his handle off the top of your head? I think it's just Andy Collis, A-N-D-Y-C-O-L-L-I-S. Okay. All right. We'll just make sure he's in the show notes because he sounds like, you know. He's a gem. Yeah. He needs a bit of a shout out. Gorgeous. This podcast episode is sponsored by Laura's Creative Kickstart Coaching Sessions, designed for aspiring artists seeking motivation and support to turn their creative dreams into reality. Go to www.laurajaneday.com slash workwithme to find out more. Can I ask about your art school experience? So it sounds like that you had a sort of similar baggage that sort of come up with me when I went to art school as well. So that wounding and that brokenness, feeling like you're not measuring up, leaving art school, feeling like you don't have the tools or resources to forge your art career. Would you have any advice for people that have followed that path and then they've just lost, they've lost track over the way? Maybe they've just gone on to a regular job or started a family and they've just left their art because they just felt like it was just too challenging, too competitive. They didn't have the confidence or, you know, the gumption to keep going. Like what advice would you have for people that have had that similar art school wounding? So many. There's so many. The more that I talk about this, I call it the education wound. And because it's not just in art school, it starts right in primary school. It's this idea that what is inside of you uniquely, we don't need to know anything about that, but we need you to hit this measure and we need you to give all your resources, your energy, your time, your focus day after day, six hours a day to this, to meet this measure. (laughs) And we're going to keep reminding you of that too. So you can imagine just that in itself, what that does to a child. Just day after day, it's this inference that what you have isn't valuable. You're only valuable if you output this and you do it this well. And it doesn't matter if they're saying, oh, look, there are different intelligences and you might be better at this and that. And the whole setup of the curriculum is giving this messaging and the, the way that school is set up and it, you know, it's kind of, the thing would need a complete overhaul to be different. And I hope that this happens. But for those who, who do suffer from this wound, it is really just about confidence. Honestly, like anyone that I work with, with my one-to-one coaching or in my small group coaching or whatever, the main challenge is the paradigm shift to become what we were made to be, that the author of, of our life and of our work and come back to that center core part of us that just knows, you know, like how I described making the decisions in my life. I just knew there was no logical explanation. I just felt that pull. And that is, I call that my inner author, maybe spirit, whatever you want to call it. But it's, it's this very deep, strong part of us that we can connect to and foster that relationship in ourselves and have much clearer 
I guess, headspace around who we are and what we're here for. And there's less indecision (laughs) and we can just see better, you know, the things that are happening to us, our suffering and everything has like, we have a lens by which to, to understand that we are powerful still, that there's still a way through, there's still beauty to be made of this. I really believe that. And I've had, you know, several big challenges in my life that I know can really knock a person down and, and you can never get back up from some of the things that have happened to me. But here I am and I'm thriving and that's what I want to share. That's essentially what I want to share. And it all starts with confidence and getting back in connection with that deepest part of ourselves that we all have. (sighs) Did I answer the question? (laughs) (laughs) I think you did. I think you did great. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I guess like, how do we actually do that? And I think just quickly for, because obviously coaching clients will take, you know, three months to work through this stuff, but just very briefly and quickly, I always start with coming back to your preferences, waking up to your own preferences. What do I love? What do I not love? Like real simple things, making a list of it, focusing on the things that you love, figuring out how to articulate what it is that what this thing that I love actually does to me. How does it feel? What's the energy that I get from it? All of those things. So I think the more that we come alive in that, the spark starts to you know, flourish again. And and then we can see ourselves. And when we start creating, this is so efficient and so magical. When we create, we see ourselves in a way that is too deep for words. And that's why we must. That's why we've got to create because we're here to express something. We're here with a message. Each of us has a message, really powerful, beautiful message that will harmonize with everyone else's message. (laughs) And collectively, we'll see that we really are one, you know, that there's something here that can't be put into words that is the quality of life totally depends on it, you know, and we've been missing it. If we haven't experienced this, we're yearning for it, like like an orphan yearns to know their parent, you know, it's that kind of real deep, yeah, something is missing. Yeah. And tuning into that is quite hard, I think, for a lot of people, because as you talk about the schooling system, you can also talk about parenting as well. And, you know, how a lot of us, especially, you know, back then, not that we're old or anything, we're basically taught to ignore our wishes and ignore our, what we feel called to and to just bottle that up, just put that aside because this is what you need to do. And you're talking about in the schooling system. I'm just talking about in being raised, you know, and we just, quieten that whole lot. And I think we can just then go on almost off on a the tangent of life, whatever you want to call it, on some track that is, I don't know, you're almost not even on your own. It's not your track. It's like someone else's track and you're just riding that track, which I did a lot of. Yeah. And it's just tuning back in is quite hard. So thank you for chatting about that today. I want to just also apologize because earlier you said waking up to your preferences and I made a silly face. So if you're watching the YouTube video, the reason why was I was thinking about waking up in the morning, like at the time you want to. And I was just thinking, I've got two young children. So sorry, I just have to apologize. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd prefer to wake up at 9am if you could just be quiet for me. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, I I think that's a really good point. Like that staying on that track that's actually not your intuited path, 
you can only go so far with that before you burn out, before you run out, because you don't have that that incoming, the energy, the joy flow. You don't have that to sustain you. And it's often, that's where I often find my clients in that real depleted state where they just don't even know what to do next, but something has to give. And it's like, who are they? You know, like who are they and whose life are they, are they living? Yeah. And I don't even know where to start. Yeah, that's right. Mm, 100%. Oh, well, this is big chats. I'm feeling emotional. It's big. I feel like, yeah, a lot of what you're talking about is like coming back to yourself and trusting yourself as well. I feel like I've had like a similar sort of thing happen to me. And I feel like a lot of my health conditions flared up when I was being inauthentic with myself and trying to like fulfill a role that I thought I had to because of like maybe like the way I was raised or like, you know, sort of fulfilling like a a role that, you know, my parents ideal, like ideal for my life. But then when I tuned into like what I wanted, it was like, well, no, like I want to be making art and I want to make this a career. And like, I don't want to have a regular nine to five job and like, I'd never fit into that. And when I tried to, have like a regular job, then I'd get sicker and sicker. And I feel like my health is so much better now that I'm am doing my own thing and like following my own lane and doing the things that I feel called to do. But yeah, it can be challenging when you've got, you know, different ideas and you're sort of playing a role and then, you know, you're stepping out into that and trying to find like, who am I? Like, is this something that I can pursue? And all those questions come up for people. Building creative confidence, like I guess it is like such a journey. It's everything. This is the thing too. It's not just about, like we say, building creative confidence, but creativity is foundational for life. You think about it, everything starts with ideas or like even you planning your day and figuring out how to improve anything, a relationship or an event anything at all. It takes creativity to figure that out. And I think a lot of us have been stripped from this knowledge that creativity is not just dancing and music and art. It's like speaking now, like we're we're harnessing creativity just with speaking about these concepts and, and what are we even doing this for anyway? Because we want to have an effect. You know, we want to reach people and we want to like, it's like this resounding message of freedom. Like I just want this for people with all of my heart and that's why I'm bothering being here. And also it's so energizing when we do find that authentic mode, it is so deeply energizing. And even when I'm pouring out, I'm being filled at the same time. So like everyone's just in overflow. And don't we need more of that in society? Like we've just got so many depleted people. Whenever you've got someone who's cutting you off on the freeway and like flipping you the bird and all this, like they're so depleted, you know? I'm listening to your beautiful words of wisdom and just your, you know, your sense of connection. And I'm thinking of, you know, our listeners and how we have a lot of new artists that tune into our podcast and they're, they're at that point. They, they realize they love art. They realize they want to make more of it, like more art, but also make more out of art. If you're following, what are your tips around those new artists and wanting to get out in the world and actually make, I don't know, I guess make money. Is that what we're talking about? Like make it your career, make a living. So what I always recommend to people is to really foster that long-term love affair with your creativity first. 
before you worry about selling or anything like that. Because when you come out with your art and you you have it there, it's very vulnerable. And if there's a lot of criticism or rejection or people just aren't even looking at it, it can really mess with your foundational confidence building and you just you stopped before you've even really begun. My best advice is to not worry about sales or anything unless someone comes to you and says, I really must have this, please sell it to me. But I wouldn't be focused on selling it until you've got that really solid love affair, long-term love affair going on with your creativity. And that means you are feeling excited and alive. You're not expecting anything from it other than a, a growing experience each time you come to paint or whatever it is that you're doing. You're not feeling pressure or any kind of stressful energy or emotion when you are working at it. That's how I would describe being alive in a long-term love affair. You're just there with your lover. Like Think about what that feels like when there's no expectation, there's no requirement other than you just being here and being present and being willing with all of your heart. If you can be like that with your art, then you'll probably already have avenues to extend out into that are just happening organically because you're in your authentic mode and you're connected to your spirit, to your inner author, and things are just going to start opening up for you. They just will. Also, that's the the recipe for, oh, it sounds very masculine, but it's also the recipe for playing the long game as well. Because if I, I talk on a more simple level, perhaps, but about following the joy and tuning into the joy, because that's what's going to, that's what's going to keep you going. Sustain. Yeah, exactly. And sustain your beautiful art practice and the rewards that you get from your art making and your art ambitions as well. And also just keep you alive and confident in your own authenticity. And you know that authenticity so well, you can come at anything with this celebration of your own authenticity, which is like magnetic. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah. That energy translates. And then it'll translate into sales like that has worked for me because there is like it's encapsulated within the piece because you are, that is authentic expression from you. People can read it like there's an energetic level there. People can read like when you feel inauthentic, then it resonates when it is in line with your true self and your true creative expression. Exactly. And you're not desperate. There's no desperation there. Like just abundance because because desperation, we, well, just think about it in a person. If someone's really desperate, you kind of retract a little bit like, oh, I don't know how far this is going to go or what what's going to be expected from me. I'm thinking about me when I was with my husband before he engaged, just saying like the last six months before he proposed, I'm like, so, so. <laughs> <laughs> not a good way to be. He, he was backing off. I, I swear he took steps backwards. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so similar. Like that relationship we have with ourselves and with our creativity is so similar to just real life relationships. So I think that's always good. Like look at relationship advice and see how it applies over to you and your creativity for sure. I think too, that when you are focused on unearthing and refining your own authentic voice, that you, oh, I just lost what I was going to say. <laughs> There's a really beautiful cloud out there and I just totally lost it. 
Oh, well, there's, there's plenty more to say on the subject, but I think especially with social media, that can be very distracting and messing with, you know, all the competition and all this people presenting their very best and looking so successful. That can be very disheartening and discouraging. So I think with social media, just to be seeing it as a live journal, like seeing it as something that you're just sharing. I'm so in love with my journey and I'm so, you know, deeply in love with my own creativity. I just want to share about this and I want to tell you about how it felt, you know, and developing that kind of authentic sharing, not feeling like I've got to make this all picture perfect, like this perceived idea of success. Don't project that because that's, that's BS. (laughs) Just project whatever is here at the time. You know, that is your gift to the world. And I think so often that goes ungiven and it gets lost because we think that something else is expected. And see, like this is school again. Like the very thing that I had to bring and to say that could have been such a huge standout blessing to somebody else in their, you know, wherever they are in their journey and their mentality, it goes it just gets lost because I don't realize that that's valuable. And I don't, I may not even have the experience of putting that out and being vulnerable and seeing other people saying, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. This is like, I'm having such synchronicity with this. And first I saw it here and now you're saying it. And like, I really feel like this is speaking to me. Like we need more of that. And everybody has that to bring. We do. We just do. But it's, it's about being connected and it's about being willing and present and ready to be vulnerable. And also having developed this wild, passionate love affair with your own creativity. Because so much is just going to flow out of that. I can't even begin to describe the kind of things that flow out because they're so unique to your own experience. And that makes me think as well of, you know, our listeners who might be wanting to start Instagram accounts, for example, and get their art out onto there tips around being authentic and just sharing their process, but not just sharing their process from a, you know, masculine, like functional point of view, more that sharing the joy in the process and that love affair, as you're saying. But also art buyers, they like to see you. They like to know the artist. So be you and be open and share whatever you're willing to share. And have a story. Yeah. Be in your your evolution so that you've got a story happening because I didn't make this up. I heard someone say it. I can't remember who, but they said, your story sells the art. Your story sells the art. So be seen, be heard, be vulnerable, and don't be trying to to portray something. Just like being comfortable with articulating what is inside of me right now. What am I feeling? What are my hopes? Like even negative things I think are worth sharing and saying because there are just... Like everything is relative. And relatable as well. You know, we're not dissimilar to one another. Like, yes, we have differences, but I think we're all more alike than not. So yeah, I think sharing and being open and inviting other people to come on that journey with you is really important. Absolutely. And not only that, but you're inspiring other people to sink into their own authenticity as well. And we just, we need more of that in the world. On the note of Instagram, I feel like this whole episode, I've been like nodding <laughs> my head in agreement. <laughs> I like, it's like, oh my gosh. On the Instagram note, I like, I had to step away just for mental space and mental clarity. And just on that, like tapping into like what is true to me 
And I felt like I was trying to keep up with the pressure of creating content and playing the Instagram game and doing all the things. and (laughs) The treadmill. Sort of, yeah, like modeling what it is to show up as an artist on Instagram. And I just sort of got lost in that comparing comparison mode. And I'm just like, oh, this is not healthy. Like, I need to carve out some creative time and creative space for myself so I can be in the flow, so I can come back to what is true to me and like my intuition and like where I want to take my career next, where I want to take my art next. But like I've noticed that you have been been quite successful on Instagram as well. So do you have any advice for people like me that maybe are like sort of struggling with that pressure to create content and the pressure to sort of show up and, I don't know, perform on Instagram. And they're sort of like molding and changing like who they are because you feel like you have to fit in on the platform. Yeah, and you you have to be amazing and you've got to stand out. (laughs) You have to be impressive. Oh, this is the sad part because I think that we don't understand how wonderful and beautiful and impressive we just are in our authenticity. With Instagram, it's probably important to note that I got the bulk of my following back in 2017 and 18, and it has hardly grown in the last 18 months. Usually I'm going backwards because like you, I just get fatigued and I just can't be, I can't be bothered. I guess also because I'm a content creator and I haven't outsourced all my video editing and podcast editing and all those things. And I'm a mother of four. I just get tired and I just think we'll stop the algorithm. Like I'll just let my number go backwards. I'm actually the art. You are actually the art. This is what my podcast is called (laughs) because we've got to remember that we are the art and what comes out of us, the art that comes out of us, it's just... Well, there's a a quote by Yves Klein that says, my paintings are but ashes of my art. So the paintings are like just what's left over. (laughs) The art, the real art was happening when you were in process, when you were engaged and you're in that flow state and you're like, your thoughts are too fast for words even. And you're not thinking about anything else except for just being perfectly present and spontaneous in this moment. I feel like that's the truth of who I am. That's the meest me without any idea of like how I'm supposed to look or perform or measure up or how anyone else is going to perceive me. I really believe that we need more of that. But if I were to really focus on Instagram growth now, I know that stories and just aesthetic play is really popular. And I think that without coming away from your authenticity, like, I've seen videos where people are just mixing paint and it's got like 2.3 million views. People are really hungry for these beautiful things that we get to see all the time in our studio. We think we might need to make this amazing painting and present it, like to make a reel that's successful. But quite often, if you just like drip some stuff there and smear it, like that can be enough. It's this kind of aesthetic ASMR that I I think a lot of people are hungry to see. There is totally something about that textural, whatever it's called. What is it called? ASMR. ASMR. I can't remember what the actual... It's like a sensory sort of experience. Yeah, usually it's sound 
ASMR is about sound. Like, you know, when you're hearing people eating and you hear all their crunching sounds or like... Is that... I'm writing it down here. Is it like, <laughs> oh, that's awful. Is it audio sensory something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'd say that. Something response maybe? You look up ASMR on, on YouTube and there's like all kinds of things. Well, that's probably a good tip, isn't it? Like you're sharing just, you know, it doesn't have to be like the full creative process. You don't have to stop being in creative flow just to like hit record and do a time lapse. Like maybe like the content is just about a small snippet in your studio and then like you can spend time away and, you know, from that content creator mode and like actually be in your process and actually be in your flow. Because that's where I've struggled, I think. It's just like, oh, I have to like create content and like record all of my process. And then I feel like I'm blocking that flow because I've got that in the back of my mind. Yeah, you're performing instead of just being in it. Yeah, that's it. And not being present. Yeah, so that's been my struggle, like wanting to be present with my creative practice and like really honour that and like carve out that beautiful time. Because that's what it's all about. Like that's what it was before we had smartphones and like Instagram and, you know, recording all of that. But it can be beautiful in like a lot of ways. And I've seen that you um, sell your commissions through your Instagram and you share about your commissions as well. Some of our listeners probably would like to start out with selling some of their work as well and creating commissions for people. What would you suggest for people that want to start out with commissions? So. I'm assuming that you've already got your love affair sorted out. Okay, good. (laughs) Found the love of your life, yeah. Long-term love affair, um, really secure in your relationship. There's no desperation. You don't desperately need this commission. You're here because it's a joy and you're ready for the next challenge because it is challenging, especially with any kind of out of control art like mine at the moment. I must say at the moment because I do all kinds of different art. But at the moment, it's very fluidy and relies on incidental marks that are really difficult to replicate, like impossible. So if someone came to me and said, I really love this piece, I want something like that, then I have to say, I can't give you that. But I can create something especially for you with that kind of look and those colors and and I can intuit something for you. And I've just been really successful in... I guess having consistent commissions and pricing it in such a way that I can actually create two pieces. Like my most sought after size is 48 by 60, which is my favorite size to paint on. So I get two of those and I create two paintings and then my client gets to choose. And what I love about this process is that because this one canvas isn't it necessarily, I have the freedom, I've got the bandwidth to really immerse in this process and just to see where I'm going to go. And and play, you know, play and enjoy the process. I love that. That's a great strategy. Yeah, it is. It's really good. And I love it too, because the client feels like there's an abundance of, wow, I get to choose. This is amazing. Oh, I have to ask, and I just had, <laughs> I just had a thought. Do you ever then sell two to the same person? Yes. You do, yeah. <laughs> sometimes they say, and I just can't choose. Like, it, it's so funny because like still in my own head, even though I've done all this work with my creative confidence, even though these people have come and paid, you know, 
thousands of dollars as a deposit, I will still go, oh my gosh, I've, I've just sent the email with the images and I haven't heard back from them for two days. Maybe they don't like either of them. And then they come back and say, I actually can't choose. <laughs> oh, my hubby loves this one and I love that one. So can we just have both? And I might, you know, deduct a bit from the price in <laughs> for that. But But even if I don't, I like to kind of talk about it on Instagram and say, which one would you choose? And everyone gets to be involved. And and then quite often I'll sell that second one that doesn't get chosen to someone else because everyone's kind of like, ooh, and, and kind of invested. Oh, I'd choose this one. Oh, look, it, this one didn't sell. That's my favorite one. I might go grab it. <laughs> Here's the link. <laughs> yeah. And I think just involving people, allowing them to be part of the story is a huge one too. Like, you know how I was saying, it's the story that sells the art. I noticed that when I was on plein air painting, that means painting out like on site somewhere. I used to go paint beaches and headlands and stuff. If I was somewhere where there were a lot of people, I would get like three, four, five <laughs> propositions. Is this for sale? Can I buy it? Because because those people have become part of the story. Oh, we were on vacation and we saw this artist painting on this beautiful beach and and now look, here's the painting. We bought it. <laughs> You know, it, it's become part of, of their story. So I think any way that you can invite people in a way that's not desperate, it's just joyful and just authentically sharing, that is, that's the way to go. Because remember, people don't, you, you don't impress people with desperation. Well, you don't impress them the way that you really want to. You impress them with your authenticity and, and making them feel something better about themselves, like feeling valued, feeling special, feeling seen. You know, quite often people see my art and they say, I don't even know what it is about your art, but it just makes me feel something that nothing else does, you know? And so that in itself is, that's doing my marketing for me. <laughs> and I don't have to try to do anything extra. I just keep doing my art, you know? And I think that's the efficiency that we need. There's something energetic in that, isn't there? Like when I was in Melbourne recently and I got a coffee from a little cafe and I was talking to him about how coffee sort of mucks with me. I meant to cut back my caffeine, da, 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 whatever. And he just said, well, you're in luck because our coffee is actually, we, we make it, we bake it. What do they do to it? They roast it. They roast it, <laughs> whatever, bake it. I don't know. They cook it in the oven. <laughs> With, with good energy, like they are trained in kinesiology and there's all of this carried in their product. And I was like, ah, oh, that's bleeping awesome. Like that sounds like your art as well, you know, having that energy in it. I love that you brought this up. I love that you brought this up because... Coffee? No, <laughs> I love coffee too, but I love that you brought up this energy because so often it's, it's the underestimated media addition in your art making is the energy that you are holding as you create. So if you're creating like this painting needs to be awesome, it needs to be something that gets me lots of likes and, and views on, on my reel and like I really need it to, oh, I need it to be really impressive. Like that energy is going to come out in your artwork if you even get to finish it because that's so stressful that you probably won't even want to continue. And I would argue you wouldn't even like your own artwork energetically you know like it might work it might have all the right color combinations all of them you might like it for the wrong reason you might like it because it got all these views but it's not actually what would naturally authentically come out of you if you weren't like trying to 
I don't know, you might be trying to replicate someone else's style that you think is impressive that got all these views or whatever. But I noticed that when I show up to my artwork and I come in surrender and I release that artwork from all expectation, you don't have to be wonderful. Just take me somewhere, you know, show me something. I'm here and I'm willing and I want to learn. And I, I believe that the spirit collaborates with me. The creative spirit collaborates with me. And it's almost as though I can't even really take credit for in the end because I feel like, well, I just showed up and moved my hands a bit. (laughs) And this thing met me and it made magic with me. And I can see myself better for this collaboration, you know, and it's not all up to me. And it's like, there's this warm wind that I can just lean back into and it will take my weight, you know? So like how much more energy am I going to have to be a mother to my four kids because I'm not expending all this stressful energy on creating artwork that that has to sell. This has to be successful. This has to be wonderful. No, like you don't have to be wonderful. And guess what? Like this same practice translates to relationships. So you don't have that that desperation and expectation and, and neediness on other people to be a certain thing, you can actually just show up and just be there and be present and willing. And I really believe that this is a key to abundance because there's so much more for us when we learn to let go, when we learn to just collaborate with what's already there. Oh, Ange, that sounds really beautiful. And I think that is actually a really good note to finish on because that can then resonate and sit with people and they can you know, reflect on that. Thank you so much for letting us quiz you and sharing your, you know, wisdom as well. So we really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. It's been such a good episode. Oh my gosh. I can't wait to listen back to this. Oh, and as well, I wanted to give a shout out to an exciting thing that you have coming up as well, which is your abstract refinery course. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Do you want to share just a little bit? I know I said we're finishing. Sorry, everybody. It's like- <laughs> share really briefly. (laughs) (laughs) So I've actually been running a small group coaching program called the Abstract Refinery, which is about creating high quality artwork that is saleable. It's It's not a course about how to market your work. It's a course about how to create really high quality artwork. And I give a lot of demonstrations and it's got, you know, hands on quite intensive coaching over 12 weeks. But I've actually created a course now, which you'd have to check my website for the opening date for that, so that this information is more accessible and you can do it in your own time and all the same demonstrations are there and I've got all the mindset stuff, everything that I've been talking about, how to set up your mind to do art in this like collaborative style that is so enriching and rewarding, but also creating high quality artwork that is going to be desirable. Yes, I'm really excited about that. I just love seeing what comes of my coaching and I'm super excited to see this made more accessible for other people to do. Yay. I think I'm pretty sure I'm going to speak for you, Laura. Laura and I are both excited because we love the art biz land and we're cheering you on. So woohoo. And we'll pop your link down below. So if you're listening or watching, make sure you head to the link link down below to go and check out um, the upcoming course. All right. Well, I think that's it. Thank you, ladies. I've enjoyed this so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, Ange? Bye. Bye. Bye.